Hey, what's going on, my money-crazed lunatics? You hear that? That's the sound of money. And it smells pretty damn good, too. Thanks for tuning in this week, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So this episode, I had an interview with a good buddy of mine, someone that I met in college. We went to school together. We were in the Corps of Cadets together, a senior military program. We spent quite a few years together. And, you know, I had a conversation with him in this episode, and it's really about his perspective as a new investor. So he started investing right during COVID, as a lot of new investors did, because they saw an opportunity. So this is kind of just his perspective as a new investor and what he learned. Right, the lessons he learned, good and bad, and the things that he had to improve going forward, and the things he recognizes. And, you know, he, I know a lot of the uh, other episodes I've pushed, it's more into that passive management, a lot of the ETF investing. But I promise you guys, you are going to get perspectives from different investors, right? Those that are more experienced, those that have less experience. And Brandon Young, he has some experience and he's really into the individual stock picking. He does hold some ETFs, but he's really, really big into taking on a lot of risk, especially now. So it's an interesting conversation. And of course, you know, all I'm seeing on social media, and I'm sure you guys know too, GameStop, right? AMC, Fossil, Naked, all these different stock tickers that are being run up by retail traders in kind of the class warfare that's going on, the classic little guy versus big guy that's fueling, you know, these battles. Oh, it's 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 so interesting to see. And I know I promised you guys I was going to talk about it. So this episode I'm just, you know, snipping a little bit of my interview conversation with Brandon Young and it's really focused on just the game GameStop and the recent volatility, and you're going to see him read an open letter that he found on Reddit to one of the hedge funds that, you know, essentially these Robinhood and these retail traders went up against. And so it's, this is a funny episode. I hope you guys really enjoy it. But, you know, I want to kind of give my perspective first. I want to set the stage of what I think is going on. You know, this is one of those classic examples of really understanding what the game is that's being played, right? Fundamentals are gone. Ignore it. So if you're a fundamental guy and you're really, you're one of those that, in my opinion, this is, this is a smart way to invest because I want to, I want to set the, set the tone. This isn't investing. What's going on? So you're free to do this, but just understand this is divorced from any type of true fundamental investing. So just understand the game you're playing, right? It's like it's like playing chess with another guy, but the guy is playing by the checker rules and you're playing by the chess rules. Well, no, 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 no. It's not rigged. The game's not rigged against you. It's just you guys are playing by two different sets of rules, right? So you have to understand that before you play a game like this. I don't know, you guys probably know my perspective. I'm not playing this game. Not about it. I, I do talk about it in the end of this episode. I did buy $100 and uh, 
Naked Stock, which is a clothing brand, just as kind of like a troll, to be honest with you. But as far as sinking any serious amount of money in this, no thanks. Um, so, you know, the, the, the game that's being played here is classic momentum, right? And so essentially what happened, retail investors, for better or for worse, were looking for potential investments. And a decent strategy that has been used by Wall Street in the past and what Robinhood traders and Reddit, you know, Wall Street bets, what they did, they were scanning stocks for a high short interest, which essentially means, you know, in this case, institutions were betting heavily against GameStop. And in my opinion, that's more of a fundamental, fundamental approach. So I can understand why institutions, you know, took that bet against retail, specifically GameStop makes sense to me. Uh, you know, revenue has been missing, especially exacerbated in, in during the COVID, you know, during the COVID era. But even going forward, you know, there's been this push towards e-commerce and just this traditional brick and mortar retail shop, even for, you know, video games. It just seems a little outdated. So I can get behind the fundamentals of why hedge funds took this short bet. I'm not here to defend, you know, the the leverage short bet that they took, right? That That's along the lines of naked shorts where they're shorting more shares than exist in the market. I'm not going to talk about that. Um, I won't get into, you know, the, the good and the bad and the ugly on that. But just from that, from the fundamental perspective, I understood where institutions uh, entered that trade. Then on the flip side, you know, you have Robinhood traders and Reddit traders. They find this stock, right? They find GameStop, for example, super high short interest. I think at one point it was like 150% short interest. And so with that, they also saw that, you know, the stock had a smaller float, right? So less shares available in the marketplace. And the options associated with this underlying were fairly liquid. And so with that enters this kind of momentum strategy and what happened, what happened was that these, these Robinhood and these uh, Reddit traders, what they did, they purchased the near-dated, out-of-the-money options. And what that means is essentially, in this case, calls. So it's the right but not the obligation to purchase the stock at a specified exercise price. So if it's out-of-the-money, that means currently, <clears throat> currently... What that means is if call options are out of the money, it means that the underlying stock price is below that of the exercise price of a call option. So you wouldn't exercise your right to purchase a um, the underlying if it were higher than what you could get in the market currently. So that's what it means by um, near-dated, out-of-the-money options. And these near-dated, essentially, you know, a week, two weeks till at expiration. So because of that, because there's not much theta value, which means more time to exercise since there's less time, the premiums on these, you know, on these options, super low, right? Super cheap to open positions, um, you know, and with that, because they're so near dated and they're typically out of the money, but very close to being at the money, very high gamma, right? Very high gamma. So what happens is, you know, these Robinhood traders, Reddit traders, they buy these call options. Well, because the dealer, you know, Robinhood, what have you, 
they're the dealer, they're the market maker, they have to go short the calls, right? What what happens is because the dealer is short the calls, dealer must buy the shares to hedge the short calls, right? Because dealers typically have to hedge neutral, delta neutral. So because they're short the calls, they have to buy shares to cover it. And because of that, pushes prices up, short squeeze happens, higher prices again, higher delta, which means, you know, for every, for it's the, it's delta is the change in the option price given a change in the underlying. So as delta increases, squeezes more shorts, price rises again, attracts more of the momentum crowd. In this case, your, your Reddit and your Robin Hood, you know, day trading heroes. And then the online chatter, it's all a feedback loop, right? That's the point. This is a momentum feedback loop. It's like a hamster on a wheel. It's going to keep going and going, right? Until the hamster runs out of freaking energy. And that's just how it works. And then when it's done, there's so much momentum that that hamster is just going to crash and burn. And, and to be honest with you, sometimes these things last a couple of weeks. But at the end of the day, what's really going to happen, you know, you're, what I'm hearing a lot is, you know, this play is hurting the rich, right? They're, they're, they're sticking it to the man. The problem is the people that are going to be caught holding the bag at the end of this are not going to be the hedge funds. They're experienced enough. They know when to call it quits. Yeah, they lost money. That They lost $6 billion, whatever the number is. They're not going to be the ones holding the bag at the end of the day, and they know it. Right, because they know how to manage the risk a lot better. They know when to quit. And if you're a new investor, you should know retail investors time and time again prove to themselves and others that they don't know when to stop. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the people that are gonna be caught holding the bag, catching the falling knife, are gonna be those retail traders. Right. The the poor is gonna hurt on this one. The poor that are uninformed and just going into this situation blindly. So just keep in mind, that's my perspective. This isn't a game I want to play because you're teaching yourself very bad habits. Not things that you can typically look for. These aren't, these aren't very obvious companies to invest in. Yeah, yeah you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. These are very hard to find. And the name of the game is getting in and out. You need to be one of the first ones to get out. So it's timing. So if you're going to play momentum like this, it's not about holding. You're not, you should not hold the bag on this one. I see a lot of people you know, holding, holding their cards on this trade. That is a bad idea, right? The name of the game on, moment, on momentum is to ride it quick and get out and be done. And get out alive and thank the Lord that you had, you know, blindless sheep driving the momentum for you to profit. So, you know, that's, I'm going to take the opposite uh, perspective. I know a lot of, um, a lot of new investors are super gung-ho about GameStop and sticking it to the man. And I think it's hilarious. But at the end of the day, if you're a new investor, I would stay away from this opportunity for now. Because it's not one 
rooted in fundamentals. It's completely divorced from the idea of fundamentals. So yeah, that's my perspective to lay the groundwork for this conversation that I have with Brandon Young. I really hope you enjoy a little snippet of this interview with Brandon. There's over two hours of content. Super good guy to talk to. I'll release the full episode sometime next week. Bear with me. Content's a little slower right now. Some of you that have been following me might know I just recently moved back to California. So kind of in the midst of transitioning back and getting back on my feet, moving into my new house, things of that nature. But just stick with me. More content, more educational videos. I'm going to be more active on YouTube when I get all settled in. So don't worry if you don't see things um, as frequently for the next week or two or even three weeks. Just just hang in there with me and let's get this community growing. You know, Really excited to continue and thanks for tuning in, guys. And I hope you enjoy this little snippet with Brandon Young. I always talk about like stock advice because there's so many different like schools of economic theory too, like Keynesian economics. Right, right, Depending right, right. on who you talk to, people have completely different outlooks on the market. It's fun. It's and it's fun hearing and how people equally as intelligent people too, right? Of course, yeah. It's yeah. and so I can relate it to like religion. You know, it's like sure. economics is like mainstream religion, and there's hundred percent sex. But we're all we're all just praying to the god of profit and growth. Like that's what we want, <laughs> right? And it's like. Uh, I never thought about your, it that you way. You have all your different disciples. It's like, no, everything needs to be on evaluation. It's like momentum <laughs> trading is key here. It's like, sinner, blasphemy, slut. Like, how dare you touch that Dogecoin? And it's just, it's this beautiful cacophony of people all trying to say which way is the right way forward. And it's, mm -hmm. um, it's fun. It's fun watching which groups have it figured out, who's looking which way, and what, whose perspective on which thing. And you can literally see real time who's right, who's wrong, who's, you know, maybe it's going up completely un, unrelated or there's no causation, who knows? <laughs> um, and I love it. it I love the, the intricacy. I love the pandemonium. And I love when something comes out of left field. Like there's never a dull day on the stock market. There's always something going on somewhere. Like this GameStop fiasco. Have you seen some of the letters and articles people have been publishing about this stuff? Yeah, I, I mean, it's a classic example to blame the rich again, you know. Oh, no. I mean, have you read? Did you read the uh, the open letter to Melvin Capital? <laughs> no. One hundred thirty-one thousand upvotes. Can I read it to you? Oh, you it's sure can. Beautiful. Is it appropriate? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> A mo an open letter to Melvin Capital, CNBC, Boomers, and Wall Street Bets. I was in my early teens during the 08 crisis, and I vividly remember the enormous repercussions that the reckless actions by those in Wall Street had in my personal life and the lives of those close to me. I was fortunate. My parents were prudent and even a little paranoid. They had some food storage saved up, and when that crisis hit our family, we were able to keep our little house. But we lived off of pancake mix and powdered milk and beans and rice for a year. Ever since then, my parents have always kept the food storage, and they keep it updated and fresh. Those close to me, my friends and extended family, were not nearly as fortunate. My aunt moved in and had to pay what little she could so that me and my family uh, could keep her there while she tried to find some sort of work. Do you know what tomato soup tastes like when it's made out of soup ca uh, school cafeteria ketchup packets? My friend got to find that out. 
Almost a year after the crisis low, my dad had stabilized our income stream and had to help out the others. He was hiring my friend's dads for odd housework, and one of them built a new closet in our guest room. Another one did some landscaping in our backyard, and I'll forever be proud of our parents because in that time of need, even when I had no doubt that our money was tight, they had the mindfulness and compassion to help out those who needed it. To Melvin Capital, you stand for everything I hated during that time. You are a firm who makes money off the exploitation of a company and manipulating markets and media to your advantage. Your continued existence is a sharp reminder that the ones in charge of us had uh, the ones in charge of so much hardship during the 08 crisis were not punished, and your blatant disregard for the law made obvious months ago through yours for the Melvin lawyers out there alleged illegal naked short selling and more recent your obscene market man manipulation after hours shows mm. that you haven't learned a single thing since 08. And why would you? Your ilk was bailed out and rewarded for terrible and illegal financial decisions that negatively changed the lives of millions. I bought shares a few days ago. I dumped my savings into GameStop, paid my rent this month with my credit card, and dumped my <laughs> rent money into more GameStop, which for the people here at Wall Street's bets, I would not recommend, and I am holding. This is personal to me and millions of others. You can drop the price of GameStop after hours, $120. I'm not going anywhere. You could pay for thousands of Reddit bots. I'm holding. You can get every mainstream media outlet to demonize us. I don't care. I'm making this as painful as I can for you. To CNBC, you must realize your short-term gains through promoting institutions' agenda is just that, short-term. Your staple audiences will soon become too old to care, and millions of us, not just at Wall Street's bets, but every person affected by the 08 crash, is now paying attention to GameStop. And we are going to remember how you stuck up for the firms that ruined so many of us and tried to tear down the little guys. I know I for sure will remember this. In response to a list of CNBC sponsors and partners, they include but not limited to IBM, Cisco, T-Mobile, JP Morgan, Oracle, and ZipRecruiter. Their parent company is NBC Universal, owned by Comcast and General Electric. And to the boomers and or people close to that age just now paying attention to these millennial blog posts, you realize that even if you weren't adversely affected in the 08 crash, your children and perhaps grandchildren most likely were. We're not the enemies. We're on the same side. Stop listening to the media that's making us out to be market destroyers and start rooting for us. Because we have one chance in a lifetime, an opportunity to punish the sort that caused so much pain and stress a decade ago. And we're taking that opportunity. Your children, your grandchildren might have suffered as I've described because the institutions that we're fighting against, you really want to choose them over your own family and friends? We're not asking you to risk your 401k retirement funds on a single GameStop bet. We're just asking for your understanding, <laughs> supportive, <laughs> and to not support the people that caused so much suffering a decade ago. Oh, man. You're all amazing. I imagine I'm not the only one that this is personal for. I've read myself so many posts of what you guys went through during the 08 crash. Whether you're here for the gains, to stick it to the man as I am, or just to be part of a potentially market-changing movement, thank you. Each and every one of you, you are the reason that we have this chance. I have never felt this optimistic about this future before. This was a life-changing amount of money for so many others, and to be part of this rare instance of wealth distribution from rich to poor is just credible. I love you all. And right below that, one dude YOLO'd his entire $50,000 portfolio into GameStop, and now has over, I think, $250 million. Is that right? Yeah, man. Uh, something like that. And uh, he's still not holding. He's still not selling, it would seem, even after being down from sessions. They're crazy is my point, um, but kind of beautiful. Like, see, I wouldn't even known that this guy had a personal vendetta. This is like an anime. This guy, like, came back to avenge his family and clan. 
and I didn't even know this shit was going down. Sorry, I didn't even know this stuff was going down until like now, right? So it's kind of interesting. Like I didn't have skin in the game in the 08 market crisis, and my parents kept a pretty good job of keeping me shielded from that, so I didn't even notice. But yeah, uh, but we grew up around it, and we have this vendetta. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. Wow. But it's nuts, right? So like, here's someone that's like yellowing his whole life, his savings account. He's did everything but sell his car. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what else. Did uh, he say he sold his girlfriend too, or no? No, no. I don't, <laughs> I don't think this guy has a girlfriend. If he's like paying for his rent, I don't know, man. I don't think my girlfriend would stick with me if I did that shit. She'd probably be a little upset with me. I rightfully so. I. I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but low key, my girlfriend's my sugar mama right now. It's pretty great. That's fantastic, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's everything I ever dreamed of. Um, oh man, that's awesome. That yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, and you know, it's the. Well, Can it's, you shoot me the, that article? Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna post that in the link description. Yes, that's fantastic. Because I just, I just want everyone to just hear that monologue you just gave. I mean, that, you you read it with such conviction and emotion, and just, I felt it. Felt it's hard. It's, it's hard not to. It's it's uh, you know, for a lot of people, it's really personal. And so, like, part of me is like, okay, don't go in and yell all of your money on GameStop. But right, that's not a good financial decision. But clearly, this guy doesn't give a fuck about the finances. Right. Well, well, that's exactly right. That's the point, I guess. I miss right because I'm not going to invest that way. But if you, I mean, you know, there yeah, is and, that. And yeah. so, but but this brings me back to my point, right? There is such a thing as moral moral capitalism, capitalism right? Right. And I feel like so many people don't understand that this exists. I feel like whenever people think of like corporate shareholders, it's like we're these money grubbing parasites, and all we want is higher dividends. And yes, it's true. But if we could make that taste better and it wasn't just an evil sandwich, we would prefer that, right? Like that's ultimately what we want, right? Like we right. want it to be like – and it's it's just – it's interesting because this – you know, GameStop got halted on so many different trading platforms here in the United States. Or the SEC, you know, because they, yeah. they do the, uh, the trigger. But international investors started to step in like it was insane like they were rallying stocks from canada uh there was huge per they had people posting from kazakhstan they could only buy like four or five shares but they were like hey we're participating <laughs> okay like it's crazy like it's it was uh people are uh getting engrossed in the movement it's almost like the populist stock you know it's it's not profitable but it's um at this point it's definitely not profitable it's like it's like owning a it's owning a souvenir right it's like a really it's like a tesla kilo bottle it has no are you telling me is this something people are gonna just frame (laughs) honestly though i feel like people are definitely gonna frame it look i mean people are gonna ask where were you during the gamestop short squeeze did you participate no it'd be (laughs) it'd be really cool if you had one gamestop share I'm not gonna lie though. I did buy uh, that naked, um, that naked clothing brand. Yeah, I bought AMC and Express. Oh, I'm a degenerate. So am I. But look, look. I, I bought a hundred dollars worth though, so it doesn't I, really matter. I bought AMC at fourteen dollars, and then I sold at twenty-one, and then I made sure I didn't have any positions going into the evening because I knew if yeah, I went in, I knew like that's when all the real money moves is. 
yeah, at the night market. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to, you know, I can't watch that while I'm in bed. So like, don't keep any positions open in the middle of the night. You know, not my, uh, yeah, not, not even my cup of tea. tea. Not on something like that. You got to get in and out. This was a super entertaining conversation to have with Brandon Young. Really appreciate him coming on. The full episode's coming out soon. It's over two hours, so I don't know how much of it I'll release all in one go, but just stay tuned for that. It's a good perspective to listen to a new investor, someone who just has a year in the market, but you can tell he already has quite a bit of knowledge. And his his take on investing is entirely different compared to the other two guests I've had. And not to say it's wrong, it's cert- he's certainly taking a lot more risk than uh, I would take personally, but it's it's good to hear his his mind his mindset in investing and how he got to where he is now. It's good to hear these types of conversations with different ways to view the market, different opinions, because the the last thing I want to create on this on this podcast and in this community is this echo chamber. I want these different perspectives because I recognize they exist out there. And to each their own. And I just want to talk to new investors, experienced investors, you name it. So I hope, hope you guys really enjoyed this little episode. Drop a like, subscribe, share it with your friends. Really appreciate it, guys. As always, thanks for tuning in. And I look forward to next week's podcast. Stay hungry, guys. Thank you.